is just a bunch of witty banter. Just like Papa. What is up, everybody? You are listening to Witty Banter, the world's number one banter podcast. How are you doing, peeps? We are so stoked to get back. <laughs> the voice you're hearing on the mic right now, I my name is Chase Williams. To my left, the wonderful wonderluster. <laughs> Hunter Dorset, what's going what's up? on? How's it going, dude? We are so giddy with excitement right now. It has been months since our last episode. I guess our last one was in what May? I think so, yeah, like yeah. mid May. Because we, yeah, we, you left for Europe in May fifteenth, so it had to be May. We, we sailed that ship a long time ago. We set her off, and we said we're going to come back to you <laughs> on the other side of the coast. I don't know where. And we found her again. A message in the bottle. It's now August eleventh. And it is, what, 2 o'clock right 2 now? 2 p.m. almost on to the dot. And we are back in the great city, in the greatest state of the greatest nation, Austin, <laughs> Texas. Hell yeah. And we are also in our new house. We got a we, new headquarters. That, a new, that is essentially what it is. We Woody are in the Witty, Witty Banter Dome, or the, the banter house, or whatever you want to call it. Me and Chase moved into uh, to the same house, and um, we got all of our stuff here, and we're just uh, we're just we're just geeking out with excitement. Right <laughs> I've literally been waiting two and a half months to blow the lid off of Witty Banter. Again. <laughs> so welcome back, all of those who have been listening before, and welcome to those who are new listeners. If you haven't heard the show before, basically what we do is. We open up a beer, and as we drink it, we talk about some news items that pertain to our interests, mm -hmm. um, things like video game industry, tech industry, movies, business. Pretty much just anything that we think is interesting enough for all you witty, clever people to find interesting. Yeah, you don't have to join the banter on. You know what I mean? After that, we'll try to play like a little game, and then we'll answer some of your questions if you sent them, and uh, put a final number on the beer, and that's all. That's all you get for a week. And then, <laughs> then you have to drool until the next one, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly, right? right? Okay. So, like we were saying, we review a beer every time. Max, what do we? Or Max? <laughs> well, the, the brewery's name is Max. I wish we had Max. Hunter, what is the name of this beer? So, the name of the beer itself is called Zeppelin Ale. And the reason why we got it is because it's an import from Germany, and we thought it was only fitting to drink a European beer after just getting back from Europe. Um, it comes from Max Leibinger Brauerei uh, in Ravensburg. And I don't know where Ravensburg is, but it's definitely in Germany. I'm surprised. It sounded like you went to damn near every place in Germany. <laughs> over went to here. a lot of little cities, man. <laughs> it was pretty sweet. But yeah, I mean, one, we just love Led Zeppelin, and there's a huge Zeppelin on it. <laughs> it's honestly probably the biggest part of it. Like, dude, this one's Led Zeppelin. But plus, we really wanted uh, this season, in the past couple of seasons... Uh, we made concerted efforts to try and find beers that we had been recommended or that we knew that we would kind of go in liking. This year, we really wanted to make a strive to try not only imported beers, but just beers that we might not even necessarily know that we're going to like. We yeah. want it to be interesting enough for you to be like, oh... That's a beer I've never even considered or even heard of. Like, and if these guys like it, then maybe I will too. You know? Exactly. Just total random beers, beers that we came to pronounce the name of. And that <laughs> way, like, you can, if we think it's good, you can go try it out. Or we're like, hey, stay away from the donut banana extravaganza <laughs> because it tasted as horrible as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Diabetes explosion beer. Exactly. All right. Uh, so on the initial pour, I got a decent amount of head on my pour, right? Yep. Clear, good old uh, white head. 
and it's like a nice, like, orangey, ambery. It's a deep amber. It yeah. looks like. Do you ever see Jurassic Park? Yeah. You remember what the mosquito was? Oh, stuck like in? ins- encapsulated in? Yeah. Oh, okay. Which I'm pretty sure it wasn't. It looks I, I, like, like that. I like that. That's yeah. a nice little uh, analogy. Now, Hunter, you go ahead and give it a taste. I'm, now, it says on the, on the box that it's an ale. So we're going to be looking for kind of a fuller taste, something that's going to hang around in her mouth a little bit more. Um, what are you thinking? Okay. There's not like a whole lot of like uh, spiciness. There's no sort of real um, – like it's an ale. So there's – for me, there's nothing that really stands out about it right now. Yeah. It's kind of straightforward for me. On the smell, you just get like barley. Right. It's just um, some sort of, you know, just malt. Mm-hmm. Some sort of grain. I think that this is going to be a very straightforward beer. I can't really, um, I can't really. Again, <laughs> for anyone who's actually listened to the show regularly, I always kind of like struggle when it comes to like, you know, um, what is the what is the word for smells on the nose? The olfactory yeah, sense. The olfactory sense. Yeah, my nose is kind of uh, decrepit and doesn't work very well. <laughs> so I always try and go for like materialistic kind of things. But I really do. Uh, I think that this beer is pretty decent right now. I'm not. Uh, I'm not hating it. I'm not like loving it. I think I'm just gonna have to wait for it to open up a little bit. It is really cold. So yeah, for me, the the smell, like I said, just kind of grain, and I like that. It's not like a grain smell that I adore. Like you know, sometimes um, like when you smell a beer, it just smells like a heat, just awesome oatmeal or something delicious. This one is just like okay, it's simple, and then the taste, it lingers around in your mouth a little bit. See, I was going to say it had maybe a short profile. But that's well, that's the thing is like it's incredibly simple. Like right. I feel it's just really straightforward. But I also feel it is very drinkable because mm-hmm. it's only five point two percent. I'm going to agree with that point for sure. And it goes down easy, um, and I kind of like that right now. Mm-hmm. I like that it's a very easy beer to go ahead and start drinking. Yeah, five point two percent is on the definitely on the lower end uh, as far as the alcoholic contents of beers that we usually choose. But we figured, you know, whatever, we're going to make it light. A little sessionable time. We can just drink more of them. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and we, yeah, we have a six-pack, so hopefully uh, hopefully we can take those down by the end of the show. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> when are we going to edit this thing? <laughs> okay, well, that's our first little glimpse at the beer, so let's go ahead and dive into our news items. Do you want to? Are you sure? What? No, I'm down. <laughs> I'm so just, confused. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just testing you, bro. Are you ready for this? This is Witty Banter. Okay, so, Hunter, why don't you go ahead and start us off on the news show? Okay, so um, my first news item, my first quick fire, is from an article by NextGov. Okay. And it basically... That doesn't sound familiar. It doesn't to me either, but (laughs) it's like a tech... I think it's like a tech article writer. Okay. So um, they wrote about how a Russian hacker group has compiled a database of some 1.2 billion stolen username password combinations. Holy hell. From stuff on the internet, just like almost like 70% of the passwords that are just like available. Right. And um, the the whole basis of the article is talking about how just the concept of a password in order to get into your private, you know, workings of the internet is kind of becoming obsolete actually. And it seems easy to be like, oh, well, maybe we should come up with some other sort of way to, like, encrypt our stuff and, like, access our data. Like, for instance, 
you know, using your fingerprint, right? Yeah. Biometric data and stuff like that. Voice recognition. Right, yeah. And st- the only thing about stuff like that is um, those are also hackable. Like, for instance, whenever Apple um, put out its iPhone 5S, there was a group of hackers that hacked and, like, basically figured out how to work past the whole fingerprint system within 48 hours. Jesus. And, uh, <laughs> so it's real that's kinda, disheartening. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this guy named Chris Mim- Christopher Mims from Wall Street, uh, Wall Street Journal said the password is finally dying, and he declared that in July. And so I just thought it was interesting because, um, you know, we always – kind of complain and it it sucks having to have passwords but to this point it's been the best way to like basically conserve our data and make sure that we're not getting hacked but then the alternatives such as like biometric data and stuff can also be hacked and then whenever they are hacked it's not like you can just like change your fingerprint or change your voice oh that's very true and plus you have to think about the amount of tolerance that needs to be used for those things. So it's like like a margin put, of error. Yeah, like if you put your fingerprint, it's not going to be the same time, same thing every time. So there needs to be a little bit of like give and take for the so for the acceptance of your stuff. And with that little bit of obscurity, that allows hackers that much more room to be able to like you know take advantage of that. So now, did the article at all like? try to guess at what this hacker group was trying to accomplish with all this information? They did not. Um, they just said it was a Russian hacker group is all they said. So probably up to no good. Yeah. <laughs> Putin's like, thanks, guys. Fist bump. That sucks, dude. Plus the lackadaisicalness of everybody. You know, most most people just have one password for everything. Right, and they said that that's retarded, by the way. To do it's that. really bad. And not only that... But you also have on all the browsers now where it'll remember passwords for you. So yeah, cookies and stuff. Yeah, so all you have to do is go to the website and on your browser you just hit enter. You don't have to enter your passwords anymore, and mm-hmm. like you end up forgetting all your passwords. Yep. So cool. I just whatever the solution to that will be, we'll probably oh, you know. Um, the end of the article talked about uh, possible alternatives, possibly being like a text message uh, password generator. Where if you want to be able to access something, like you just like tell it, I want to access this, then it uh, texts you like a very customized password. And then that way, each time it changes different. So you don't have to remember anything. A lot of high end um, companies do that too. Like when my dad used to work for this one company, he had this keychain, and every 10 minutes a code came on, and it was like a 15 digit code. And that (laughs) was his access to whatever server or whatever he was working on. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's, (laughs) that's dope. Yeah. All right, moving to me, number two. <laughs> GameStop is going to come out with their own credit card. Oh, yeah, I kind of heard a glimpse of so this. So bend yes. over, Hunter, and get ready to hear how awful this <laughs> my is. My hands are on my ankles. <laughs> it's limber. Okay. I really am. So they basically started printing out the marketing material for this already, and it hasn't launched yet, but you can go and assume that it's going to be launching. And on these marketing materials that people found, they're trying to advertise this credit card alongside with the power-up rewards that you can sign up with. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically saying, if you get this credit card, you can have a sign-up bonus of like 5,000 points if you're like a normal member, or 15,000 points if you're a pro member. And what's really stupid is if you think about it, 15,000 points will only net you like $20 off of a game. So it's really nothing. <laughs> yes! Now here's here's where the, the claws really come out and you just see how awful GameStop is. The interest rate on this credit card is 26.99%, which is double the average of 13% on normal credit cards. And like 
are they even trying to obscure why that is? Or are they just like, no, we're just trying to screw people? <laughs> like, I, honestly, like, because <laughs> what they say, and then on the little packet that, is, that it comes on, it's, uh, get the game today and pay it over time. They, like, want people to... I'm not trying to game. lease video games. <laughs> but not only that, like, <laughs> this thing is being advertised. If you think of GameStop's probably target audience, uh-huh. pretty young, like, young people who are going in there who honestly... Our educational system in high school doesn't really teach you about finance and credit cards. Right. I mean, that's a huge reason. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, it's a huge reason why so many young people are in such horrible credit card debt all the time. It's like, oh, credit cards. I'm going to get a credit card. Yeah. Beep, 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 beep. They're honestly preyed upon. And so when you have GameStop, who is hopping around on the bandwagon and preying upon like young, probably just young people who haven't had a credit card before and then giving them a double interest rate. And not only that, they're like, they're essentially taking advantage of the fact that these kids, a lot of the time probably grew up going to GameStop in and out just with games and stuff. Yeah, games- so they've like built this like false sense of trust in the company. And now the company is just going to be like, take advantage of that and be like, Oh, we offer credit cards too. Exactly. You remember that game you bought four months ago? Well, now you owe $400 on it. Give crappy game incentives that sound awesome. Dude, and see, and what's really so what's whack. really stupid too is if if you're a, a reward member, whether it's the you know pro guy or just the normal um, subscription, you mm-hmm. are automatically approved for the credit card. Okay. So all you have to do is buy. If you're a subscriber, they're like, oh hey, you can have this credit card if you want. Just making it like that much easier to screw you. Yeah, and they'll probably give it to their employees too. You know, for free or something. Just. Getting everybody do you on think the leash. That the, do you think that the employees would even be like? You would think that the employees would have an idea that this is a scam. So, like, why would they even have any sort of benefit from doing something like this? I mean, they're just they're still people at the end I'm of the day. I'm just wondering, like, what their business thought behind this is. Dude, just making bukus of money uh, by exploiting the game industry, <laughs> and so they're now exploiting people. You know? Just, yeah, it's just ridiculous, man. Okay, well, that sums up mine. So okay. I'll bounce over to yours. Well, uh, thanks, GameStop. <laughs> That's me pooping on your chest. Hope you enjoyed it because you've been doing it to me for years. Yeah, Chase just went to GameBox or uh, GameStop, GameStop. GameStop to get his Xbox. Hey, I told you it was the la- it's the necessary evil necessary man. Necessary evil man yep. for sure. I'm, but I'm never going back. Don't okay. You, don't you so um, my quick my... fire number two is uh, from Bloomberg Business Week. And we're not, well, by the way, we're going to keep beeping throughout the episode, so just be ready for that. Get ready for the bleeps. Um, so this is kind of just like a reactionary uh, article, and Procter & Gamble, which is the world's largest consumer products company just of all time. What does that mean? Like, uh, is Amazon, does that... No, is, like consumer mean? products is like they are the parent... Uh, oh, they company, own a bunch of industry. They own okay. a bunch of brands. Just like almost any brand that has like, it's like, like Tide and yeah. just like stuff like that. So – and they're in – they have their hands in everything. They have hundreds and hundreds of brands. Okay. My so, brands. Procter, my brands. Um, Procter & Gamble recently announced that they're dropping over 100 of their brands. Wow. And – The fact that they even have 100 blows my mind. But Right. No, they have like – they have hundreds um, and initially you'd think that and you'd be like, oh, the, tr- the company must be struggling. They can't keep up with, you know, whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. But the article went on to kind of 
talk about how it's it's not so uh, it, it's actually pretty kind of intuitive. If you think about as time goes on and the and the markets continue to get bigger and bigger, um, there's a there's continued fragmentation, which means that there's more and more players in each market that are producing specialized products, right? Right. And so when you have this big, just like overhauling company that has its hands in just like kind of everything, then the companies that are putting 100% of their resources into that market kind of start having a competitive advantage over these big monster companies that are just like, you know. Because they can like exploit a tiny niche right, right, that right. the other ones are missing. And two, like the thing is, is that I think that they're starting to realize that their brand portfolio is getting so large that their resources – They might and, even own certain brands that aren't making the money too. Right, yeah, know? yeah. That, I mean that's that's the idea is they're dropping these brands that aren't going to be profitable to them either now or just in the near future. And so uh, they – I mean they didn't want to like be really open about what brands they're dropping because then that would like basically just spawn a fire sale. Okay. Well, I was going to ask. But, um, I guess but they have it. some suspects. Uh, Ausonia, Blendident – Braun Oral B, Oral B, and uh, Rindex. I don't know necessarily what <laughs> any of those are, but I was saying none of those. Ring like a they bell. really do a lot of like cleaning products and like home, like like home and not home improvement, but just like home improvement, like home living stuff. So um, yeah, it, it was just interesting to me to see the world's largest consumer products company have to give way to the fact that the market is continuing to fragment. And that there are more and more specialized players in all these different industries that they're trying to be a part of. That's good because I, I guess you know, in my tiny little, not well understanding business, of- <laughs> business mind, <laughs> conglomerates are bad. I guess so. I mean, I don't think that they're bad, but they do discourage small business. I mean, you know, so like, uh, and and for some reason, America just has a huge hard on for small business. I think it's. it's I think that's just because of political rhetoric. Right, right, and uh, I I do think that there's a lot to be said about the usefulness of small business, small to medium sized businesses, but. Um, yeah, I don't think that there's anything wrong necessarily with corporations. In fact, I think that they do a lot of good. But yeah, I just thought it was really interesting to see the world's largest player in consumer products have to downsize by a very considerable amount, over 100 brands. I just thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so let's go ahead and bust into our conversation peaches. The peaches of conversation. Yeah, this is where we get down to brass tacks. It's going to be ripe as hell. <laughs> okay, so my first, or my only one, the, <laughs> the peach I'm picking we off the tree. We only have one apiece, man. <clears throat> Come on. Very true. So EA announced a subscription service called EA Access that's going to be coming exclusively to Xbox One. Now, what EA Access is, is going to be unlimited access to a library of games that e- EA games okay and you can either subscribe for 4.99 a month or you can subscribe for 29.99 a year and and now i'm going to be going through some a lot of information real quick okay bust into this. that's a huge uh, incentive to do it per year too that's over half of a savings so the games that they're starting out with right now are Peggle 2 FIFA 14 Madden NFL 25 and Battlefield 4 um, the the subscription also comes with a 10% discount on all DLC from EA. So even if a game isn't in the bundle or isn't in one of the free ones, you can still get discounted EA DLC from other games. Okay. It'll also give you access to EA titles up to five days before release. So here – and then this is why I thought it was interesting. Immediately after this was announced, because you think, wow, why is it only coming to Xbox – 
Sony comes up and claims that it passed up on the service because it wouldn't have been a good value for its consumers. Hmm. Having to pay $50 a year for PSN or Xbox Live Gold and then also this uh, subscription on top of it. And then X- interesting. But then Xbox came right back and right. said, you can have it without Xbox Gold. So if you don't even have to you don't have to have an online membership but you can still subscribe to EA access and get it. And now okay. so then you want to then you wonder well why did Sony say that? Why are they downplaying EA access? Well, mm-hmm. we talked about how PlayStation Now it's already been in its beta and PlayStation Now is coming out pretty soon right where you can stream in PS3 games. Which is, it sounds like it's going to be dope. Well, you would think – I think the reason why they say it's not a good value and they're not endorsing it is because they don't want to cannibalize its own its own subscription service or its own um, service to stream games. Right. And But here's the most interesting part to me. The pricing for PlayStation Now is a little out of whack, okay? Basically, you can, you can rent games from four hours to seven days to 30 days or 90 days. Oh, okay. And not all <clears throat> games even have these options. Like some games, like uh, I think it was Saints Row the Third, you can rent it for either four hours or ninety days. Okay. But if you want to rent it for four hours, it's going to be around two ninety nine. So like three hmm. bucks for four hours of gameplay. Yeah, that's a little pretty high. Yeah. Seven days will get you around, and these are averages because each game varies. Right. Will get you around. Uh, will be like a five dollar sixty five cent. Which is a much better deal. Which is a great deal, right? right? For seven days, thirty days, anywhere from five ninety nine to fourteen ninety nine. Which, once again, I'm thinking that's a little high because for fifteen dollars, for fifteen dollars, you can get a whole new downloadable game right, like right off the bat. And dude, their ninety day rentals are thirty bucks. Yeah, that's, and like, how many of the games you're playing are you honestly gonna like pour all of your like pour all of your soul into? You know, like if you if you purchase a game, you're gonna like have an incentive to play it. Exactly. How long are you? How many games are you gonna play more than a week? You know, yeah, or like a ninety-day rental. Like, why would you not just go buy that? Just game? go buy it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And not only that, but half like after a few months anyway, they start knocking down prices. You can start getting games that came out eight months ago for thirty dollars anyway. A three-month rental. Yeah, but what's really cool, like for for EA Access, four ninety-nine a month. So basically, if you and I wanted to play FIFA, we would pay five dollars and we could play FIFA fourteen. For a month, or if we did it for a year, if we, we did could pay it for a year, thirty dollars over a year, which is what uh, thirty divided by twelve, which is less than two, like two fifty. And and not you know, I just think that I think EA hacks this. Uh, this sounds really exciting to me. I, really, I think, for somebody that doesn't like sports, that's interesting. Well, yeah, or and, sports games. And as of right now, it's typical. It's just sports games. But if you think about like Battlefield Four is on there, and that's a game that I really want to play. Battlefield Four is probably going for like thirty bucks right now. Okay. I can pay five dollars and play it for a month. I didn't even know Battlefield was an EA product. Oh yeah. I guess like outside of sports, I don't really know uh, EA's reach. Mm-hmm. It's. It's pretty large. Pretty, They're pretty, large and in okay. charge. Okay, cool. And, you know, of course, the games on here are the ones that are kind of the back catalog. They're the ones that were released a little while ago. Okay. But say there's like a handful of games that I missed out on in a year from now, things like Dragon Age Inquisition or some of their other announced projects that are coming out within like a year or so. Within like two years from now, if those are all on there and I never played any of them, mm-hmm. and I have access to all of them for half of a game. Yeah. You know, that's I think that's a sick value. Also, let me ask you something about PlayStation Now. Do they have any sort of like time horizons as far as like the value of your rental? So like say that say that they come out with, you know, you were playing Guacamelee last night, right? Right. That's is that an Xbox exclusive? No, that's on both systems. Okay, so say that on PlayStation 
uh, four that I want to play Guacamelee, but I forget about it for an entire year. Mm-hmm. Would it cost me just as much the next year to rent that as it would when it just came out? That's a good question. Um, we don't know because it hasn't been out yet. Right, right, right. I would hope so. You that, you would hope that it would cost as much or cost less? Cost less. Right, that's what I'm saying. Because if it didn't, then that would just be They ridiculous. need to have a, some sort of time value thing here because right. that would be ridiculous in my opinion. Especially but, if something was proven to be a shitty game. I will say um, PlayStation Now is pretty cool in the sense that they announced that with some of the Sony TVs, PlayStation Now comes inherently in the television and all you need is a controller yeah, and then you have access to all the PS3 games that are on PlayStation <laughs> now. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think, and you can essentially just like control your TV with your controller, right? You can go watch TV, like maybe with your controller. That'd right? be really sweet. I, is that not? Is that only on Xbox? Because I know Xbox has the uh, the ability for you to switch in and out of like going into TV and not. Oh, that, yeah, that's Xbox that? only. No, okay, yeah, only Xbox can do that. But okay. yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Um, I think EA Access sounds really cool. I think once the library of games gets bigger, I already, like, Peggle 2 is a game that I want. It's $12 right now. Battlefield 4 is a game that I want, and it's like 30 or 40 and I could just pay 5 bucks and play them both. You know? Right. It, it's awesome. That's crazy, man. Like, considering we just got an Xbox One, we just, we just uh, like, installed it into our, into our humble abode last night. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you honestly really thinking about it, or? Um, eventually, like, when it comes out, yeah. Okay. As long, like, once the library gets bigger, we'll look at it. Okay, cool. All right, so my conversation, Peach, for today is there's really not that much that we can really, like, look into it. It's kind of just, like, analyzing something that's been going on. Okay. Um, and this is from Business Insider. Uh, Europe has posted a quarter two uh amount of like or in the in the second quarter of all of their country's financial work performances they've basically been performing dismally wait europe as a whole Who's yes a, okay. like the eu really pretty much entirely but like mostly just all of europe has just okay. been economically abysmal so if you could like lump them all into one gdp their gdp sucks essentially yes okay and uh some some uh statistics to go with that they have been in a technical diagnosis of depression for seven years now since 2008 wow um their economy in q1 of this year or quarter one has had a contraction or a downsizing of 0.7 percent and in q2 Despite Germany having this like random 3.3% annualized growth rate that they have, Germany's just, like, killing this it. Huge spurt. Yeah, Germany holds up the EU Dude, with their freaking shoulders. Like 4%, they are the atlas. 4% unemployment. They are the atlas of EU right yeah. now. Yeah. And they, uh, even with their huge 3.3% annualized growth spurt, if you take that out of the equation, uh, Europe had another contraction uh, of their economy. Jeez. And so. And it's even worse, like individual countries such as France, um, this in Q1, they had a 1.1% contraction or an annualized growth rate of 4.3% contraction. So in one year, they could lose 4% of their entire economy. That's massive. It's, it's ridiculous. Oh my God. And so, you know, 
I, I basically kind of wanted to delve in this because, you know, it's relevant that we both went to Europe and we got to kind of like see these econ- economies and performance. Yeah. But also – We kind of got to see two different sides too Right. Probably. And when I went – when I went over there, I mean I was studying abroad in Prague and Prague's in, a, in an interesting position because uh, – or the Czech Republic is in an interesting position because they are a part of the EU but they don't have the euro. Right. <clears throat> Um, but mo- the majority of the people that are a part of the EU do use the euro. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because, you know, the reason why the EU has such backing is because you have all these small countries like Slovakia and even like Ukraine and Liechtenstein. Like, yeah, that are a part of it that if they try to do their own currencies by themselves, they would just not be. They wouldn't be a world player at all. No one would want to trade with them. It would be hard for them to have any sort of global significance. So they have to, like, kind of put their resources together, and they have to... It's hard to even think about the EU uh, or Europe as an economy without it being the EU because when you think about it, all of those countries are so tiny, and they're so close together. They're like states. They are. I was about to say, you know, you drive two and a half hours... In Germany, and next thing you know, you're in another country with another language, another culture, where it takes me two and a half hours just to get to the woodlands. Right. You know, it's nuts. For all you uh, hardy Texans that want to get a, a Texan boner, go look up <laughs> stroke it real quick. Texas versus Europe size, and Texas is essentially bigger than all of Europe. Like it's, it's nuts. It's it's so that that goes to the point where you know you have all these tiny tiny one geographically and two economically. Uh, players in the EU that are kind of coming together and pulling their resources together so that they can have global significance. But then if you have one fall, like Greece, if you have one fall, then everybody has to suffer. And people like Germany who are actually like kicking ass in these economies are suffering too because then they have to like drag along the way to these other smaller com- countries. There was, there was like, elections in Germany when I was over there, and some of the posters were very anti-EU. Um, yeah. I don't think that – is indicative of the general attitude, but I think there are some splinter parties there who mm-hmm. who feel that way. Yeah, and so it's basically just like the whole article goes to just basically say that on top of the Russia-Ukraine stuff that's been going on um, and the just just poor forecasting of Europe's future financial performance it sucks, dude. it's gonna be like really interesting to see how they try and dig themselves out of the hole that i hope they can because in. i think if the eu had to get disbanded it would be horrible right i think a lot of people will be left out in in the dust i think a lot of people would suffer horribly and yep. mm-hmm. w- like a world climate without the eu is going to be so drastically different and so it's be bland so but like so <laughs> what we're we're yeah, like at what? Like, how do you pick those pieces of the puzzle? Because, like, up? you know, in my opinion, Europe is the cultural leader. You know, so like, like I think that Europe spawns so many cultural things that just the the entire world kind of follows in in pace. Right. So you know, I'm just hoping that coming from these two guys that had just come from Europe, I think that we can both say that we really we're hope experts that, on Europe. Well, now. no, not that we're experts, <laughs> but that we want like we want to see Europe continue to like exist and be like solid players in the global game you know yeah, no exactly i would hate to see any just unnecessary turmoil right and but, but what's funny is if we do think of them as states i hope that they can as states 
they can start figuring out what they need to do to right because the EU might not be the right answer, but like what is if you think about it like that, you know? So that's kind of the end of my peach. Okay, well that was all the news. We're gonna take a break real fast, and we'll be right back. This is Witty Banter. Don't forget to follow us at Witty Banter Show on Twitter and shoot an email over to wittybantershow at gmail.com. And we are back. We have both had some time to drink a little bit more of this beer. Collected our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Really get them into the glass. What are we going <laughs> to – so what, like, how do you feel about this beer so far? Um, once again, let's reiterate. We're drinking the Zeppelin beer. That's all it's called is Zeppelin. Okay. From the Max Leibinger Brewery. Again, 5.2, right, percent alcohol? 5.2%. Um, so essentially – I think that my initial analysis of it wasn't too far off, even though I didn't even have that much to say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, perfect. Well, I'm picking because, up what you're putting down. Because, yeah, when I when I taste it, again, I feel like the the taste profile for me is like surprisingly short. Yep. I, I feel like it's in my mouth and it's gone kind of, yep. you know, and, and so it, it's very straightforward for me. Yep. But it's also yeah, it's it's like a good solid beer. Like I think of this almost as like a pub beer. Yeah, this so that's what I wanted to harp on is is the flavor is just super simple. It's pretty one dimensional. The smell is just like hey grain, and the taste is like <laughs> it's grain. <laughs> but it's super easy to drink. Yeah, it's and sessionable as hell. It's incredibly sessionable, <laughs> and. Even just the look of it, like this kind of brownish amber, it looks like a pub beer, like you're saying. And if yeah, if I was at a bar and I saw this and I couldn't think of anything, like I didn't see anything else that I wanted, I could I could see how it would be easy for someone to knock back a few of these. You right, know? right, right, for sure. And you know, would you recommend this? If it, I mean, this, these are still halftime analysis, but would you maybe recommend this to a to a friend if they asked about it? If they were like, hey, like, should I get this? I would say probably not. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing is if it's there, go for it. Right. It's not inc- – If you're like completely undecided, do it. Just you know? go for it. But it is a very straightforward – it's not complex. Its biggest beer. strength is its drinkability. Yeah, I would say – I would in- entirely uh, say the same as that for sure. <laughs> I would agree one wholeheartedly. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get into our first little game segment here. Oh, yeah. It's Hunter, been a while since our games. Are you ready to play, my man? Right, we're uh, we're doing something with words, right? Another word game. It's time to bring back a fan favorite, Dopey Definitions. You guys use like big words, literally gigantic. Dopey Definitions. So if you haven't played Dopey Definitions before, basically the rules are: is I'm going to give Hunter, or Hunter would give me a really funny sounding word, or a set of words, right? Yeah, set of words, five, mm-hmm. right. And he basically has to guess at what they would mean. Right. And I have, I've never heard of these before, more than likely. And, you know, I'm just going to try and give my best hint at what I think that the, that the definitions of these goofy words might be. If he can get three out of five, he wins. If he gets two out of five, I win. Yeah, it's, it's going to be rough going. <laughs> and that is how it begins. So number one, okay. I was going to use... we got to be lenient with these uh, definitions I, know, I give. I you know. Know. I'll, try to, <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Okay, cool, cool. But <clears throat> I'm going to save this first one I had written down for last because it's just too fun to say. <laughs> so I'm going to start with number two. Perfect, perfect. The first word is taradiddle. Taradiddle? Taradiddle. <laughs> is it like T-A-R-A? Yeah, diddle. Taradiddle. 
Taradiddle. Jeez, mm-hmm. I want to like think about. Like, I have zero idea what the what the beginning of Taro would be, but Diddle, I always just think about like a goofy tune or something. So yeah, I think that is a Diddle. <laughs> that is a Diddle. So I'm going to say. I'm going to say a Tara Diddle is like a short piece of artistic work, either like a in, like a in word form or in music form. It's just kind of like a goofy thing that you like put together and it doesn't it's not really super significant. It not being super significant is is crucial to the definition, <laughs> but you're also not really there. Damn it. The definition is pretentious nonsense. Okay, that's not close. So if I'm speaking Tara Diddle, I'm just sounding like a pretentious douche. Basically. <laughs> that's what that's Tara. Diddle. So it's like it's like balderdash. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. just nonsense. Okay, all right, all right. So, so that's for, one for you. Okay, you're gonna give that to me. Right. Put the goose egg on that one for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, number number two here. Okay. Okay. Holy wobbles. Holly wobbles. Dude, I think I've passed this one before. <laughs> dude, every time I read these, I want to say them in an English accent for some Collie reason. Wobbles. Dude, I said that like whenever the last time I hosted Dopey Definitions, <laughs> yeah. I like told myself I was gonna do it in an English definite or an English accent. I told totally did So Collie Wobbles. Holly wobbles. Oh, what do you think Jesus. that means, man? What do you what do you beat up beep on that? The bit up bit that comes to mind is just like Again, it just seems kind of like goofy nonsense. Like, like collie wobbles. Collie, seems... I'll give you a hint. Okay, it's okay. uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's un- Is it like a noun? Yeah, it's a noun that's uncomfortable. <laughs> Damn. Collie okay, wobbles. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say it is a. It's like a predicament or an argument between you and someone else. So uh, like, like you y'all, get... like you got into a collie wobble with somebody. Okay. Well, you're wrong. Damn it. <laughs> Collie wobbles. I have to get all three of the next ones right. <laughs> Dude, you got this, man. Okay. You like, even to... if I don't get them right, we're still going to go through all five. So Yeah, totally. So, Collie wobbles is pain in the lower abdomen or stomach. Oh, come on. I've got the Collie wobbles, pop. <laughs> Did they say anything about it being induced by, like, eating or drinking no, or something? No, just, like, butterflies. Okay. I got Collie wobbles. Well, I had Collie wobbles when I started this show. <laughs> How about that one there, Bobby? Better, 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 better. <laughs> Number three. This one's especially fun to say. Okay. Now, I'm going to give you a hint here. This is a noun, and it's just a synonym for a word that you know. Okay. This word is bumbershoot. Bumbershoot? Bumbershoot. <laughs> I'm going to guess that it's spelled B-U-M-B-E-R-C-H-U-T-E? S-H-O-O-T. Okay, so bumbershoot. Bumbershoot. Okay. Jeez, man, it's a noun... Bumbershoot. Dude. <laughs> Dude. I literally, like, have no idea. Dude, just think about how dopey, dopey these definitions are. <laughs> think about the definitions and then think about how dopey they are. Um, a bumbershoot, I'm going to say, is like a... I'm just going to say it's like a long slide. <laughs> or something Slide? like, oh, well, okay. or like a you know like a like some sort of some sort of way that you like experience fun by like going down some slide or something. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> a bumper shoot is an umbrella. Oh my god! <laughs> There's no way you could have known that, dude. dude. 
I'm gonna start saying that though. What? When it's raining outside, <laughs> yeah, get my I'm bumper like, hey, shoot. Man, out. Got your bumper shoot. <laughs> you <laughs> your bumper shoot along. You're not trying to get wet, right? Exactly, because you know if you get really wet, you're gonna get the color wobbles. Well, damn it, that means I already lost. We're starting season out, season three out on the with a big old goose egg on the wrong under. side of the bed for HD. <laughs> the wrong side of the bed, <laughs> sucking a limit over here. Exactly. Okay, number four is a firkin. <laughs> We've done this one. Firkin? Yeah. We did Firkin? A Firkin is like a small barrel. Oh, we did yeah. Firkin, didn't yeah. we? So I win that one. All right. <laughs> a Firkin is like, a, uh, it's we'll like get... a small size barrel or like something that holds yeah. like beer. That's or... exactly. So right. how about this? Since we did it before and my dumb ass didn't know it, we'll give you two points for that. Oh, okay. That way, if you can get this last one, you win. If you're willing to do that, I'm down. Oh, I'm willing to do it, dude. Hopefully you have... I mean, the only reason why I know that we did that is because I edit all these, <laughs> so I, I listen to these podcasts multiple times over. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, if if the last one is one that we've already done, hopefully we haven't, but uh, we'll see. Are you ready? I'm to, down to do the that, The last word is bumfuzzle. Oh, bumfuzzle? <laughs> Dude, how fun is that to say? It's fun to say. Bumfuzzle. It is. It's a bumfuzzle. It's like an ass carpet. <laughs> Ass clown. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, what, what so... Is, what does bumfuzzle mean? Can I possibly ask for a hint? Okay. Let like, me, uh, just don't give me it away, but uh, like the smallest something. of hints, you know. Can I use it in a sentence? You can, yeah. If, as long as the sentence doesn't give it away. Okay, so... You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want it to be so easy that everyone's like, well, obviously it's this. Let's say that this professor really has the ability to bumfuzzle me. So it's a verb. Is it like? Oh, you're already you're reaching for more hints now. Is no, that no, no. Is? <laughs> is it like? Uh, is it like another word for confuse? Bingo! <laughs> Bumfuzzle means to confuse or to fluster. Oh yeah, or to perplex. <laughs> so write it down, everybody. That's a point for Hunter in the game tank. Are we saying that I won that? Because I think... Dude, I gave you a word that you already knew, of course. Like, but I would a, think that that means that I get zero points, not two points. Oh, no, but, it's, <laughs> but it's this guy's big old mistake for... Really, it is your responsibility exactly. to bring new stuff to the table. And guess what? So. I dropped the ball. All right. I mean, if you're going to give me a win, I'll take a win. Look, Hunter got a win. Write it down. Chalk you, it up. We might have to put an asterisk by that. If it comes down to like the very end of the season, the tiebreaker. and I'm like 10 games and you have nine... We might have to do a game breaker. Okay, you know what I'm okay. saying? Well, we'll leave it at that. But I will take the first win. Thank you, sir. Well, I hope <laughs> you guys enjoyed Dopey Definitions. <laughs> because we definitely biddle bipped it as well. All right, so moving right along, we're going to go ahead and check the mailbox. Nick's Mail Corner. It's, it's Mail Corner! Oh, guess what? Nobody emailed us oh. in two and a half months <laughs> of waiting to do witty banter. Not even Nick mailed us. Shameless plugging all of my trip. I said, hey, this is the email address. Boom, you, can, boom. you can email us at wittybantershow at gmail.com. It's pretty unbelievable how unwilling people yeah, are. I mean, it's, email us. Look, somewhere. it's fine. We don't have fans. Like, Let's just accept <laughs> it. We do this for us. I guarantee you, I think that this season is going to be the breakthrough season. and We're, we're going to get like five emails. But like, honestly, when when, when we have these mail segments, like the way me and Chase put it is, even if we had one person comment or question or just anything, all we need, even man. if they were just like, "Hey, Witty Banner's awesome," 
David, oh, yeah. and David, we'd be like, we're calling you out, bro. <laughs> Thanks. You're the best. Give us your mail address because here's some DVDs. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, but also, real talk, if you like the show and maybe you like where some of our news items are headed or you like that we're in a specific industry or taking a certain like angle on a, on whatever, right. email us at wittybantershow at gmail.com and tell us. And like we will cater the show to you. Like if you have any sort of ego at all, you can be like, hey. <laughs> you are anybody. Like, like all you have to do is send us an email and you can officially say that you are on iTunes because we addressed your your – Beck and desire to be on iTunes. We can do if nothing else. I mean, that's a cool thing to tell people. Like, immortalized hey, in the iTunes sphere. I had a really interesting question on iTunes the other day. So, uh. <laughs> and that's the thing is like you like, hey guys, I love the news segments on um, Apple phones, but I really want to hear more about unicorns. Boom, we we're going to talk about unicorns, like unicorns all day, man. <laughs> it's going to happen. Robot unicorn. <laughs> All right. Well, since we don't have any mail to read, thank you, fans. I figure since we just got back from Europe and we haven't talked about it on the show yet, let's each ask each other one question. And so this is going to be essentially get to know your banner. Yeah, and we'll get to know the bannerers' experiences in Europe. Great. So I'm going to ask you a question about Europe. You don't have to ask me the same question, but you can ask me one in return. Okay. Okay. So this is. I, I was like maybe kind of. Preparing for this in a way and like thinking about the coolest experiences, but I don't know what your question is going to be, so we'll see what oh, it is. It's going to be a deep abstract one. So you're oh, take it abstract. Jeez. So if you – like what is the biggest thing that you either learned or took away from your, your stay in Europe? So like one of the biggest life lessons maybe yeah, that, sure. I, maybe that I like learned or – Perspective changes. Because like, like you, could, you could take that as maybe like – because I was taking classes over there, you know. Like, yeah, be if, like, if you say that, I'm going to be upset. Right, but there were a lot of really interesting like business things that I learned over in Europe, and that might be one of the things that I, that might be the thing I talk about is the fact that like well, go ahead, dude. Because um, if it has to do with like differences in systems and cultures, then yeah, yeah, it's exactly about that. All right. So one thing that really just like stood out to me that was just really surprising, I guess, just because I had always grown up in America and it had always been this way, was the fact that corruption. Uh, specifically like bribing and the fact that people are willing to kind of like cut corners in order to find, you know, business, you know, advantages or whatever, make, make good relations with other people that are in an industry that you want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Corruption is a huge, huge thing. And it's not only say corruption, like when I say corruption, I say people doing uh, by global definitions, illegal acts in order to be able to consummate business. Is it illegal by their standards? It's illegal by, like, most standards. So, like, okay, so one thing that I learned, for instance, is that um, this doesn't necessarily have to do with Europe exactly, but I'm going to speak to China. Okay. So... Hi, I'm China. China has an inordinate amount of privacy uh, data privacy uh regulations in place basically if anyone say that there's a company that's located in the in china and they do a significant amount of their operations in the u.s well u.s wants to go audit that right they're like okay well you're doing a lot of business in our country we want to be able to like know 
what is going on with your company and make sure that you're not just like lying and that you're Screwing doing things time. according to how you should do them. China has these like vast amount of data privacy and, and like it's almost like intellectual property that they withhold from the U.S. and the rest of the world. And it's basically like, oh, okay, well, this is our market, and we're not going to let you know what's going on in our market because F you. <laughs> and it's like – it's weird because the U.S. is like a leader along with Britain, which is another thing I learned that like Britain is a huge leader as far as um, not only like financial but accounting uh, standards regulations. Like they have a lot of – Things that are principles based where it's like, okay, well, morals. Yeah. It's like, well, it's like if I'm going to make a decision on an accounting decision and it's like, should we put this here? Should we not include this? Should we do this? It's a lot more like, what is the principle of the matter? What is the best solution? Not like, what are the what rules, the rules in the rule book say? Yeah. And like, we follow that, which is like how France and especially even like Germany and especially the, like the Czech Republic, which is where I was at. Like that's how they kind of do things. Um, but yeah, like China has all these sorts of like blockades and stuff put in place to like not have people access their information. So that makes one, the U.S. extremely suspicious. And two, it makes, you know, the – the fact that they're do- there's all these companies that are doing global operations, it makes it hard for anyone to really know the true value of any of these companies because they could be com- completely doing something that's not legal by any standards, and we wouldn't know because we can't access that data because China won't let us. So that was one thing that really like stood out to me is the amount of, is one, it, corruption, and it, two, just it, like – It's interesting that like you say there's more corruption when – they have a more rule-based system, whereas Britain or the United States has like a principle-based system. You think there would be more room to fudge numbers in a principle-based area because you could argue that like one thing is going yeah. off certain principles rather than say this is the rule. For sure, and, and that's an interesting analysis. But I, I think that the what happens is is when you have these rule-based systems, it it almost breeds these people that are like anti-intellectual in that industry. And they don't necessarily look at the quality of the necessary transaction or, or what's going on in the company. They're kind of just like, what do I do and, like, how do I get this past my desk? You know, how okay. do I get this paperwork off my desk? It's, like, incredibly stuff? bureaucratic. And so – and plus, like, in the Chinese – like, if it, China is such a high-context business uh, country. So you could be in a business meeting with China, with like some Chinese uh, management of some Chinese company, and you could propose an idea. Say like we think that this would be possibly the best option, and they'll be like, "Hmm, yes," you know, and 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 they won't say no. It's not in their best interest for them because they're they they basically value the culture of like business being kind of like a like going across the way and being like giving you gifts and like they make this big kind of relationship with all of their people that they do business with so they'll be like oh yeah um yeah that sounds great but they don't mean that you know you have to really like have a contextual understanding of what these chinese representatives are really saying so i think that was like one of the biggest things that i learned was that they're one that not only I, i knew that the cultures as far as like the economies of different countries. I knew that the 
the cultures were different, and I knew that a lot of times they clashed, but I didn't know to what extent, and I didn't know to how big of a problem it is, especially from my industry, which is I'm going to be, go be an auditor. It's, it's like almost dang near impossible to gather the information from these companies that have global operations, and the country that they might be headquartered in is like, no, we're not giving you any of our information. And you're just like, okay, well, what do I do? <laughs> you know? <Right>. So that <laughs> was one of the biggest things I learned. And, you know, well, I'm, awesome. I'm a business fan, so that's kind of what yeah, you know. Kick ass, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, you can ask me anything. I'm the, going to uh, ask you. Euro question. I'm going to ask you, what was your most memorable experience and why? Okay. So for me, it. It was actually like the first weekend I was there. Not the weekend that I moved in and all that, but the first time I took a trip. Okay. Went to Munich. And in, from Munich, we went down to the border of Germany and Austria okay. to see this castle called Neuschwanstein. It means New Swan Castle. Neuschwanstein. It's actually the castle that Walt Disney used as inspiration for Cinderella's castle. Nice. It's actually a modern castle. It was built in the late 1800s by this guy named Ludwig von Bayern, and he mm. completely bankrupted himself <laughs> in the state <laughs> building these things. Right. I'm sure that's probably usual. But out of all the things I did in Germany, this like very th- there was a moment on on this expedition that was so incredibly like beautiful that it transcends everything I did in the entire trip. Damn. And so what you would have to do is you have to climb up this trail, and we're in the Swiss Alps, basically, the very footholds of it. Like, they're just starting, and you have okay. to walk up this trail that took us, like, 35 minutes, and it is slanted, dude. Right. I was wearing jeans and a t-shirt and just tennis shoes, and by the time I got to the top, I was drenched in right. sweat, right? I had that a lot in here, too, because climbing up huge hills. Walk everywhere, places. man. And so you walk up this entire thing, and the first thing you do on this expedition is in between – so the castle is off in the distance, but you walk up this mountain, and in between the mountain that you just walked up and this other mountain on the other side of this like river thing is a bridge that was built like 100 years ago or some – whatever, you know, Damn, a while yeah. ago. And so you, you walk up, you're sweating your ass off, and you finally get to the top, and then you go to this bridge, and the whole point of this bridge is to see the castle from afar. Okay. And when you're up there – the wind is just whipping through because it's being funneled through those two mountains. Right, right, right. You're super sweaty, and then you have this cold, just Alp wind that's just hitting you in the face. <laughs> yeah, it was the like Alps the most <laughs> cleansing experience Damn, ever. Okay. You just get up there, and it, like the wind goes right through you, and it completely cools you off. And then in the distance is this most magnificent, beautiful white castle you've ever seen that's sitting on this little bitty mountain hill, <laughs> and behind it is is more alps and then a lake and then farmland and Dang, it was just you dude. look at it and we stayed we stayed on that bridge for probably an hour and you just stared at this thing and it was one of those where you just have like a spiritual experience right, it's yeah. just like holy hell i'm here right coming now coming to terms with yourself exactly <laughs> And then, you know, I finally got – I go into the castle and you get to have a tour and this guy is just completely exorbitant. You know, he just spent Buku's amount of cash on everything. Every wall was an oil painting. Yeah. And it's paintings of like knights on horses killing dragons, which is just like, right up my alley. Yeah, exactly what yeah, you want to see. Yeah, just like stamp that with the chase button because there it is. 
his bed was carved out of wood and the the canopy was like five feet tall and it looked like these gothic spires and his his sink was made out of pure silver and like the water came out of like a swan's mouth. It was totally awesome. That is sounds outrageously awesome. Yeah, and nothing in in the entire ten weeks I was there, nothing beat what I did that that on that moment. You know, I'm surprised that you didn't talk about your Jack White. Uh, I mean, dude, Jack White was the best show I've ever seen. But okay. when it comes to experience, right? Just like a overall like being overwhelmed by something that just beauty just yeah. by sight just you being know? being a part of something that's like cuz dude you got to go you, so the, the castle's never finished and so you got oh. to you got to go to the throne room and it was almost kind of eerie and poetic there was no throne in the throne room instead there's the central apse which the throne would sit on is all gold and behind it is like Nothing but pictures of Jesus and the disciples and all that. And it's supposed to like, you know, he's kind of carrying on their tradition. And the throne was going to be on these marble steps. And the marble steps go well above your head. Right. And I was just thinking, like, can you imagine being like a peasant and having to come into this room and like <laughs> having nothing your whole life and, and like, be like, oh. and like having to, pe- having to petition the king and like right. how yeah. incredible, like, just imposing that experience would be and yeah climb mountains in order to like talk to the yeah dude or it, something. it just blew me away and uh That's awesome yeah man. that was that was my favorite moment of the entire 10 weeks nice badass man that's good that's good stuff yep so that brings us to a close we gotta we'll go ahead and put a number on this beer and we'll do some housekeeping and get out of here what, what would you rate this beer okay just final overview you know the beer's been opened up good bit I still think it's just, yeah, incredibly straightforward, very drinkable, not a whole lot of, like, um, outlandish flavor or anything. It's kind of just, like, just a solid beer. I'm going to give it a 6.5. That is exactly what I was going to give it. Dang, okay. Six and a half, just because the biggest part of this beer is that even though it's really simple, it doesn't taste bad. Okay. Like, we're not... We're not over here going like, oh yeah. god. Yeah, I know. And, and we're not, not only, snobby here. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> but but not only that is its biggest strength is its drinkability, and its drinkability is off the chart. Right. Like it is, it's easy to drink, and it doesn't make me gag. So six and a half. Yeah. You know. I think yeah, I think that we've come to cahoots on that. There we are. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of witty banter. Um, what episode is this? this 20? Is episode twenty four, season three premiere. Twenty. Four, dude. God, that's awesome. Yeah, it's starting to, it's starting to uh, outgrow us. Thank you so much point. for listening. You can find Witty Banter at wittybantershow at gmail.com to email right. us. We are on Twitter. We are at wittybantershow. Mm-hmm. Facebook.com slash wittybanterpodcast. Yep. I myself am on Twitter. I am at Bodacious Chase. Hunter is at Diesel Dorset. Correct. And we post on iTunes. If you look up iTunes, you can go subscribe to Woody Banter. All of our episodes will pop up in your inbox without you having to do anything. It's pretty magical. It's it's like fairy future magic. Like you great. wake up and you're like, oh, there's a new podcast. Let me listen. I'll just press play. <laughs> <laughs> and those are basically all the ways that you can consume the show. Thank you so much for listening. We are really excited to get back into the swing of things and hopefully bring you entertainment. Awesome. Yeah, and we're we're looking for this season to kind of uh, bring you some new offerings. We're thinking about maybe 
even videotaping some of our, um, or I maybe video recording. Videotaping sounds like VCR. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're thinking about maybe like making videos of some of our podcasts, being able to provide them to you on YouTube or at least clips of yep. them. And so, yeah, we're really excited about this season, and we hope that y'all are too. Yeah, we hope we might do some one-off movie reviews. We might do some beer flights. Um, I'm still trying to do music reviews too. Music reviews as well. Mm-hmm. Little little outstanding things. So, all right, until next week. Pew, pew, pew. This is Woody Banter. Bit up, bip on your butt up, up. Goodbye. <laughs> Peace. We thank you for listening. With your time in the minutes. Appreciate much we do for your patience and the running shows. Isn't that good to tell you, Peppers? <laughs> Get in it. <laughs>